Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. You know, people are talking or chattering like those type of everybody's sharing it yeah. together. When you're on your phone having a side conversation, yeah, check out this meme. <laughs> yeah, like literally, they're watching Instagram fucking videos. Yeah, like yo, what the fuck are you doing, man? It pissed me off. I was like, dude, I was about to be in a fucking jackfruit article. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, David so commits Asian on Asian crime. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tell these Asian people to go yeah. back to Asia. <laughs> but uh, what's your history with In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Happy New Year, everybody. What's up? We are back again with Ed Park. Genius Brain listeners. Cheers. Uh, apologies for making Genius Brain once every... It's only once a week now. Yeah. So people are like, oh, where's the Thursday one? It's like, it, it might come back. We'll, we'll see what's up. Maybe. But as of right yeah. now, this is, this is very nice, dude. Yeah. Um, so on New Year's, I actually uh, went to watch uh, Spider-Man. Right. Fucking, let me tell you something. I never missed Arclight so much in my life. Right. Because I haven't been to a theater since like Shang-Chi, right? Right. With Shang-Chi, I had a terrible experience anyway, so it didn't matter. People could talk to that whole film. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, I thought we might go without mentioning that, but all right, there we go. Ding, ding, ding. No, but there's a good thing I'm going to mention okay. about that film, right? I just can't stop it because people yeah. keep messaging no, me. You so. know, I was going to bring it up too, yeah. so I was, fuck it, whatever. So like the, like Arclight, if you guys haven't been to an Arclight before, right? Arclight is a cinema experience. Yeah. You don't just, number one, if people talk in Arclight, they kick you out. Right. Um, before they had the film, they talk about who the directors are, who the actors are, um, and they kind of set like a tone for for a movie watching experience. Yeah. When I was at ArcLight years ago, I remember uh, people were talking super loud and I was getting 
you know, irritate everybody else was before anybody got to say anything, they kicked them right out. Nice. They're like, you're yeah, out. Nice. Like they warned them once, they wouldn't listen and they stopped the film and they kicked them out. Damn. <laughs> yeah, because they were so loud. Yeah. But they, 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 they apologized to everybody and they kind of restarted the film experience again. You get a free ticket on the way out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, I really, really love Arclight. Yeah. No, like they'll, they have, the, especially the one on Sunset Boulevard. Yeah. I went there to watch, uh, let's say Winter Soldier mm-hmm. and the fucking directors, the Russo brothers showed up. To oh, say thank you. Yeah, yeah. So like that, I guess it, I miss it a lot too, especially for the Cinerama Dome. Yes. It's a part of history and it just sucks that it's just sitting there right now, like doing nothing. Dude, freaking, um, so I was at the theater and there was a very specific part in Spider-Man and there's like some very emotional cues in the film, right? There was three people behind me mm-hmm. that were talking throughout the whole fucking film. Right. Never happens in Arclight, which is why I only went to Arclight. And I went to, we went to watch it in IMAX. Yeah. So it was like $26 a ticket. It's yeah, not it's fucking cheap. fucking expensive. You know, it's fucking expensive. Which, which theater did you go to this time? Uh, we went to the one in Alhambra. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> that shit. Dog, yeah. dude. That's where I saw uh, Dune with my brother-in-law and sister. Yes, it was like, man, whatever. <laughs> no, dude. So we were sitting there, and you know, through, in the beginning of the film, people were talking behind us, yeah, right. And I kind of like just gave them like a quick, like a very nice, like, like keep it down a little bit, because they're talking. They're literally talking in the yeah. film, and I'm just being chill about it or whatever. I I kind of like communicated them to like just like two or three times, and I wasn't even irritated then. Like I understand you, like you're watching a film, you're getting hyped or whatever, whatnot, yeah. right? But it wasn't even like them talking about the film. It was them giggling and laughing about something on their phone. Fuck. And so naturally, twenty a $26 fucking ticket in IMAX. I'm getting a little irritated right now. And I just let it go because I'm like, you know what? It's a new year. Fucking new David So whatever. So we're, <laughs> we're watching. And spoiler alert if you guys haven't watched it. Well, it doesn't matter. We're doing a movie review anyways. But the scene where uh, Marissa Tomei, Aunt May, yeah. is fucking dying. Yeah. They're fucking cackling behind me. Oh, God. I, they, that was a very pivotal moment in the film. Yeah. I got so fucking, and Mariel's next to me. I was like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got really quiet. And I, and I turned around and I just kept staring at him. I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Shut the fuck up. Yeah. And you know, everybody too, there was like a few people in the theater. They could, they were kind of like, thank God. Because yeah, they were all irritated too. But it was literally this dude who was just fucking yapping his fucking mouth off to like him and his friend and I think his girlfriend too. And then I went outside and I was like, I wonder what the fuck this guy looks like, right? Because I'm about to beat this fool's ass. <laughs> it was like it was like two Asian guys. And the only thing I could think of was like, if I beat him, is this still considered Asian hate? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what's the article going to say, you know? My gosh. I mean, even for all the listeners out there, like, why? Why Why do you do that, man? Like, yeah, why are you here? That's That makes people not want to go, too. And it just ruins the experience for everybody, dude. Just go home. Yeah, and you know, like, I understand, like, if we're watching, like, some fucking, like, if I'm watching, like, a stupid comedy, people are laughing and making jokes or whatever. I think yeah. that's a part of the experience. But we're here in an IMAX. It's $26 a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you might like, uh, what's it, downtown uh, Alamo Draft House. Have you been there? Mm-mm. It's pretty dope. Like, um, it's got a super retro vibe to it. And... When you go in, it's all reclining seats. 
and you order food, they've got a menu on each table. Oh, really? And, yeah, and you get a white piece of paper and you you write what you want and you leave it, leave it hanging up. And they'll come and they'll bring you everything. And then you have a credit card on tab. Oh, shit. So you get you pay for it. I'm going to try this shit out, man. It's, they got rules too. Like no phones, no talking. We'll kick you out. Like they're... It's a really great experience. Yeah, it's just like, like I don't understand. Like when you're going to a fucking theater, it's like why? Why do you do this? Like why are you here? Yeah. <laughs> just wait for the fucking DVD guy. But I think at the draft house, it's kind of like people are like really aware of that rule. Yeah. So when like Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, oh spoiler alert! By the way, we're fucking talking spoilers, yeah. right? Spoilers, right? <laughs> when they came out, like I could hear people go, like they were yeah. holding it in, yeah. like, and I understand, like, yeah, any other. Uh, like theater, like hype Marvel, like fan theater, they they were probably cheering like crazy. But if yeah. you don't like that, then Alamo Draft House. It's <laughs> yeah. quiet as fuck. Yeah. yeah, like when we when we watch it, like when I say, you know, people are talking or chattering, like those type of everybody's sharing in it yeah. together. When you're on your phone having a side conversation. Yeah, check out this meme. <laughs> yeah, like literally they're watching Instagram fucking videos. Yeah. Like, yo, what the fuck are you doing, man? It pissed me off. I was like, dude, I was about to be in a fucking jackfruit article. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, David so commits Asian on Asian crime. <laughs> oh my goodness. Tell these Asian people to go yeah. back to Asia. <laughs> but uh, what's your history with Spider-Man? Like so, going back. Like I, I think for me, it was the Spider-Man cartoon on Fox Kids. Yep. Right. Because it was it came out because of the success of the X-Men cartoon. Yes. Right? And so I, I watched that Spider-Man cartoon just as religiously too. But yeah, I mean, that was during our age of like those 90s um superhero cartoons yeah. like because they're gonna um, not even reboot but continue the x-men yeah, series x-men 97 yeah. on disney plus i'm so fucking hype i can already hear the theme song right now <laughs> dude that, which is kind of crazy because i thought they were just going to reboot it yeah but it's just a continuation, continuation from where it fucking left off that's fucking awesome yeah that's dope shit so but we started like i mean i mean just to preface this depending on who's like listening to this when I first started watching Marvel films, it didn't matter what the Marvel film was. I liked it because when I was a little kid, I was, I mean, these didn't debut when I was a kid, yeah. but I had Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? so, like, so like any, any fucking Marvel film was dope to me just because of the graphics, right? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter which, which Spider-Man it was. It was just kind of nice to see. But after a while, you start to realize this is the standard of what Marvel films are. You get to see what what the films are for what they're worth. Yeah. And Spider-Man has had a terrible go yeah. <laughs> a lot of their fucking movies. So, you know, just um, one of the things that I, I didn't, I was a little apprehensive of, because even the previous Spider-Man before this one, which is what, No Way Home? No. Yeah, no, no, no Far From Home. Far From Home, right? Yeah. thought it was okay. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was all right. Well, that's the problem that a lot of people have with this Peter Parker um, is that, He's, I mean, as a kid, as a high school teenage kid, like, damn, he's cool. He's cool. He's charming and all that. He's he's the right Peter Parker in, in for this generation, right? Yeah. Like Gen Z Peter Parker. Um, but he's a fucking rich kid. He's mm-hmm. got a rich. His t- uncle Ben was Tony Stark. Yeah. He's like, hey, can, like he's got dope suits. He got you know if. He has a place to stay if he needs to. He has a ton of resources and all that jazz. But um, I feel like the best representation of Peter Parker was probably the Tobey Maguire one because he's yes. broke, right? Yep. And, and he's got 
bunch of social problems and all these things um, that that really worked for Gen X. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And then um, what's his name? Andrew Garfield. He was the millennial Spider-Man. He's way too cool to be yeah. Peter Parker. <laughs> he skateboards and he's like, he's really great at, I mean, like just getting really beautiful women seems easy to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. So it was a little off in that sense. See, the, like all these Spider-Mans had this, this weird thing that I either kind of like, it was either I kind of liked it. And then there was a lot of things more I disliked about it. Right. And the biggest thing that I disliked about the, um, what's the new Spider-Man's name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Tom Holland Spider-Man, right? Was just in every superhero arc, right? They have to go through some type of trials and tribulation to define who they are now. Yeah. What the fuck did this kid go through? I mean, what? he? I, so he lost Tony. So did everybody else. Yeah. Right? Everybody did. But that's one of the things that this film kind of rectified for me, right? Yes. Yes. It allowed him to have loss to allow him to grow, right? That, that was the weird part about the first iteration of this spider-man was that everyone was so tired of watching uncle ben die mm-hmm. but it's one of the most important parts of who what makes him him right because yeah. at the same time people also complain about seeing bruce wayne's parents die in every single iteration of his movies right? that's like what makes him Batman. If, yeah exactly it's like it that's what makes him him how is that a complaint what the <laughs> fuck are you talking about but i thought it was really smart and it rectified it um by making it on may being yeah. his Uncle Ben motivation. And us seeing it through into his third movie. You know, and watching why it's so devastating to him. Because in the previous ones, because it happens in the first act of each of those origin movies, we don't really give a fuck about who Uncle Ben is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just kind of like that annoying yeah. dad. It's like, dude, shut the fuck up, man. Yeah, but then <laughs> if it's Marissa Tomei, if I, I remember first from my cousin Vinny, she was a fucking cutie. Dude, Marissa Tomei is one of those actresses that I really appreciate because she's, to me anyways, she's so fucking beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? And, you know, this is not a knock on other people. Like, you, like I said, you know, do whatever the fuck you want to your face. But, you know, there's something that this industry and city does to women that makes them feel like they have to constantly keep up with the Joneses, especially when it comes to Botox and yeah, aging. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And you see Marissa Tomei, she's aging like a normal person, still one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in yeah. my life. And it's it's kind of just nice to see. Yeah. So we cared about her through the first two movies. Yeah. Right. Um, especially like by the second one, when she knew he was Spider-Man and then like told, told him, encouraged him on his Peter Tingle. And then in this one where she was the one, that taught him that great with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. And she didn't even knickknack it and like change it. She said it exactly the way Uncle Ben did. Yeah. That that line. It didn't like try to change the vocabulary yeah, yeah. or nothing. And I thought that was amazing too, because that was so devastating for him that he ran away to his safe space or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And when the other Spider Man caught up to him, Spider-Man's. Yeah. <laughs> Spider-Man's. Yeah. Spider's man. Spider's man. Spider's man. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I thought it was really, I thought it was really important when he goes, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what I've just been through. And there's like, no, that was my uncle Ben. And he says, me here, same too. And then when they talk about their MJs or, you know, his, his Gwen or whatever. Yeah. Like how important it is to reiterate, no, we're, the same yeah we're the same people like as much that, as that was a thing that i i really needed because even with 
like I said, it might be a generational thing, but it's just kind of what I like about superheroes. Like there's, because what's the whole point of having a superhero without a weakness, right? It doesn't really humanize them. So with Tom Holland's character, it was just, for me, it just felt like, oh, you're that fucking kid that just has everything. (laughs) (laughs) So there was no reason for me to kind of like really be attached. And you know what? They did it. I think they did a really good job in this film too, because he was doing a lot of fucking entertaining things that I think the audience, for me as an audience member, I was getting irritated. Like why? I was even sitting there like, why would you do that? Aren't you a fucking smart ass kid? (laughs) But the biggest thing was, is because he's still a kid. And I think like the, the general theme was that they were trying to uh, tell us that he wants to have his cake and eat it too. Yeah. And it just doesn't fucking work like that. But it also, when his other Spider-Man came that it was about that their responsibility being that, no, they can cure these people. They don't have to die. Mm-hmm. Cause Doctor Strange was like trying to send them back. Cause in the instant they went back, they'd be dead, dead. Yeah. you know? And for Peter's sake, I don't know, Pete's sake, but yeah. <laughs> he was he was trying to just he was trying to save them. He want he didn't want to kill them. He didn't want them to die. Yeah, it was a weird turn where it kind of showed Doctor Strange in an antagonistic light. Like it was it was like the Sinister Five, right? And it's like Doctor Strange might have been the Sinister Six. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it was like it 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 came together really well. Honestly, um, I thought in a sense like I'll, we'll bring up this theme later too because when it got a little meta mm. was. They used it for comedy and it, I think it worked because when you open up the multiverse. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. My lovely genius brain farts. This podcast is brought to you by Fume. Ever tried to break a bad habit and felt like you're climbing Everest and flip-flops? Yeah, we've been there too, but here's a breath of fresh air. Fume, it's not about giving up. It's about switching up, baby. Fume takes your habit and simply makes it better, healthier, and a whole lot more enjoyable. What is Fume, you ask? Fume is an innovative, award-winning flavored air device that does just that. Instead of vapor, Fume uses flavored air. Instead of electronics, Fume is completely natural. And instead of harmful chemicals, Fume uses delicious flavors. You get it. Instead of bad, Fume is good. It's a habit you're free to enjoy that makes replacing your bad habit easy. I keep one in my car just because I'm a fidgety guy. And guess what? I'd be puffing on that delicious herbal tea vapor, my friend. 
friends. Nothing bad for you in there. And definitely, definitely fun to use. My friends, start the year off right with the good habit by going to tryfume.com slash genius and getting the journey pack today. Fume is giving the listeners of the show 10% off when they use my code genius to help make starting the good habit that much easier. Start the good habit at tryfume.com slash genius to save 10% off the journey pack today. Hey all, it's David So, and if you want to listen to Genius Brain without ads, now you can. Just go to geniusbrain.supercast.com or click the link in the episode description and you can get a one-week preview of the ad-free version for free. You'll get ad-free listening to the show. You can listen on almost any podcasting app and you'll be supporting my show too. That's geniusbrain.supercast.com. Thanks. Before we continue this podcast, my brain farts, we are brought to you by Papa Purple. Listen, I don't know how many times I can tell you this, but I love my purple mattress. I wouldn't be talking about it every time we do this podcast, not only because they are sponsors, because I love my mattress. We spend a majority of our life sleeping, so I don't understand why you haven't invested into a purple mattress. Legit, I've had sleeping problems my whole life, and that was because a big part of it was just because I didn't sleep on something that really supported my back and the way that I slept. And my purple mattress has been a freaking godsend. You will not regret getting this. And if you're thinking, well, guess what? Um, it's a little bit too expensive. Well, that's why you're going to use the promo code I'm going to give you at the end of this podcast to save you guys a chunk of money. Invest in yourself. You will not regret buying yourself a purple mattress because the technology in their products, by the way, it keeps me cool. It's a Supports my back, sides, hips, and necks and shoulders. Everything that I need. And guess what? You can't regret it because there's free shipping and returns. So what are you waiting for? Getting a great night's sleep starts with having a great mattress. Get a purple mattress. Go to purple.com slash brain10 and use promo code brain10. That's purple.com slash brain10. Promo code brain10 for 10% off any order of $200 or more. Purple.com slash brain10. Promo code brain10 terms apply it kind of explains okay why are they so corny right mm -hmm. or why are they so ha hammy like william defoe like god bless him he was so good yes in this right he fucking power bombs spider-man through the fucking floor and shit william defoe like i forget he could have been the joker dude. how much i love him dude. yeah there great. is a scene in this film that almost brought me back to i mean obviously two different fucking comic book universes but dark knight the it was literally that moment, dude. This part actually gave me chills in the film. Is when um, Tom Holland, Spider Man, his fucking spider senses were going off, and he couldn't figure out why. Yeah, he's like, "What the fuck is going on? Why is my why is everything in my body telling me that something is wrong?" And then you see it; it's fucking Hobgoblin. Yeah, like he's still Hobgoblin or Green Goblin. Oh, Green Goblin. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah, he's still Green Goblin, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" And you see everything start to crumble slowly. And that scene where he's they're fighting in the hallway was so fucking intense. Yeah. It was amazing. It was, it was like Spider-Man finally not pulling back his punches. He was hit. They were going at it. Yeah. It was uh it was probably one of the best fight scenes. Uh, I mean, there there's so many fight scenes in MCU, but this one was so one of the most visceral ones. It's it's just the payoff was right. Yeah. You know, like you kind of see his Spider-Man lose that 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 innocence that he has, right? Because yeah. Like I said, he wanted to have his cake and eat it too. He thought everything was going just the way that it should have. Look, I'm saving these people. I saved Doc Ock. I'm saving all these other people. And then there's that one little thing he didn't think about. 
It's like, wait, these are all villains, yeah. <laughs> you know. And when you see yeah. it kind of crumble before him, and you and you you when in that fight scene, you see him just clipping him hard, full on, just letting all his strength out, and he still can't do anything. Yeah, it was almost just it was sad. Yeah, it, just watching this whole shit go down. And yeah, I I really what I was kind of alluding to before was appreciating their performances, like each villain's performance was still according to the universe that they came from. Yeah. And then the way they would explain it too. So they're like, so you fell into a vat of... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you fell into this? You yeah. fell- uh, and so you fell into some sand. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the, here's what I liked about this film. The jokes were really fucking good, man. Yeah, they hit. There was, there was this one line that cracked me the fuck up. I don't know why, but it was just a simple thing of um, Ned... He's asking um, fucking uh, Toby McGuire, like, so, like, who's your best friend? <laughs> He's like, well, I killed my best friend and I killed his dad. Yeah. And <laughs> then he came back as a villain to, you know, come kill me. <laughs> the fucking Andrew Garfield's like, dude, like, what the fuck, yeah. man? <laughs> there was so much good jokes. Like, also, too, I mean, just to wrap it back to, like, Shang-Chi, I think it actually gave me hope that the second Shang-Chi is going to be better because Spider-Man has had so many chances yeah. to finally hit its stride. Yeah. So I feel like from this experience that Shang-Chi, the second one's going to be a lot better. Yeah. Having said that, the jokes in Shang-Chi were trash. <laughs> like, so, so the the meta-ness of this one was being aware because the universe opened. Yeah. Where each person is like, why are you like, so you, you shoot webs from your wrist, <laughs> right? <laughs> That scene was fucking hilarious. But that was but, one of the biggest complaints. It's yeah. like, why the fuck is he coming from his wrists? But yeah, but then that was the point. It's like, yeah, well, I do. Yeah. And that's just it. And he's just like, it's perfectly normal for him. And they're yeah. like, oh, okay, to accept it. In Shang-Chi, the problem was, wow, you just rode a magical dragon. Isn't that crazy? Like, <laughs> like why are you why are you mocking what you just did? Yeah. You know, like it then takes away from our story. Yeah. Where Spider-Man was like, no, this is the way it is. Accepting the meta, the meta nature mm-hmm. of, of the situation there. And instead of like, wow, your dad's a fucking maniac and he's insane. Well, I get, <laughs> yeah. And whoop de doo let's go. Because also too, like in the film, like nobody ever acknowledges uh, Shang's like shitty behavior. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just completely acceptable that he's an asshole. But well, it's just going through the motivation. It's it, That's why it, it felt... It, it felt like you're just supposed to accept it as it is. And like, that's, that shouldn't have to be the case. Yeah. And so that's what I'm saying. Like for the second one, I feel, I, I feel a lot of hope just because if Spider-Man got that many chances, I'm pretty yeah. sure like the second, like Shang-Chi is going to be a lot better. And oh, if yeah. not, then it would, it would suck just because, and once again, this is not knocking anybody like on the film, but you know, Spider-Man has such seasoned actors. So you could see it in their improv. You could see it in like, how they were delivering the jokes, it was just better. Yeah. You know? And I think that one of the things that uh, one of my friends brought up to me, he goes, because he watched Shang-Chi on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and this one did not like our podcast. He goes, dude, it was perfectly fine. And he watched it on Disney Plus, and he goes, you fucking ruined the film. For yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I didn't ruin anything for you, dude. You like, saw it for what it was. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, I think he said something that was very poignant. He goes, I think why a lot of people enjoyed Shang-Chi beyond just the fact that it's just the Asian face was that we hadn't seen a movie in theaters yeah. <laughs> in no. so long. And yeah. so that was our first experience for yeah. a lot of us, specifically a, a Marvel film. And if you were in the right room, you know, with the right hype of uh, people, you know, there to see it on opening day, I'm sure it was such a great experience yeah, yeah, that yeah. you're going to 
feel differently about the the film, very sentimentally. That wow, that was like because one of my best theater experiences was Fast and the Furious Five, dude. Fast Five, <laughs> and you know, a lot of people hate it, but you know what? I to this day I still love Fast Five, and I'll always remember that opening night that I saw it. Everybody you know? loves Fast Five because they know it's going to be straight stupidity. Yeah, like the any of the hype stupidity. Yeah. Though. Yeah, like. But because there's look just to on just because we're derailing a little bit, but <laughs> I remember that one. I forgot which was it. Fast Five where they had the tank and Dom Toretto flew off the tank into a car window. That was, that was, Fast six. Okay, well, fast six. <laughs> when I saw that part, everybody started cheering and they were crying laughing. Yeah. Because this will flew in and nothing, not a single scratch. The windshield stopped him. Yeah. No, he had like a, a crisp shirt. Yeah, like a super crisp white shirt. Like it looked like it was it. out of the bag and the lines yeah. were still on there. And I think that's the thing everybody remembered. We're like, that's a brand new t-shirt. Look yeah. at it. It's so clean. That shit was so fucking funny, man. And, and that that is part of the movie being self-aware about these superhuman like physics breaking feats. It's yeah. just like, yeah, this is Fast and the Furious. Yeah. But then you can't treat other uh other IP like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the way it is. So you just accept it. It's like, no, it doesn't have to like that. Yeah, that it, it's hard when the studio like forces down shit down your throat like this is the way it is and it's like no good though one of the things i really i think i i couldn't really get over when i watched spider-man the second time was when um (laughs) just the whole beginning sequence of dr strange trying to create the world where he doesn't fuck up his friend's life right yeah as he's creating these different realities, he goes, oh, can you add this? Oh, can you? He goes, yeah. And he goes, look what you made me do. And I'm like, <laughs> the fuck are you talking about, dude? Yeah. It was, it was, it was a little stupid. It was a little too accessible. It could know? be part of, um, that's, I think that's part of the play. Did you see the post credits? Yes. The Doctor Strange, uh, uh, what's it called? Multiverse, Multiverse of Madness. Yes. Madness. Yeah. I think that's where he's going to pay for his consequences. Yeah. By then. Um, which... I guess what set it up real nice that he was just being so, what do you, flimsy with this magic shit. Yeah, just like with the whole universe. <laughs> yeah. He goes, okay, I owe him a favor. But in turn, the spell he casts at the end where it's make everyone forget who I am. Mm-hmm. Make everyone forget who Peter Parker is. Um, What that does inevitably is take him to a place where the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man was, right? Where he's a loser, he's broke as shit, he's gonna struggle hard, and but he's still gonna be a great hero. Yeah. Right? It's that great power comes great responsibility. And yeah. I think that's the part where it made me really like him. It was that missing piece that I always had in all of his films. It's what makes you great. Yeah. And he didn't really have that piece. And so when he decided to sacrifice his whole life for the better better of like the betterment of the world, is where like this is what makes him a fucking superhero. And I really appreciated that because I never really had that with him. I'm like, mm. you, you just get everything, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, it was kind of cool. But that's the same reason why, like, if we, if we go to DC, I love Batman so much. He's like this troubled soul. And he's always trying to figure out how to do things right despite his background. Yeah. Like, there's always a reason for this superhero to do something, even with, like, Superman, right? Yeah. His whole fucking world blew up. His family is gone. And now he's trying to somehow live this human life. But at the same time, he's technically a god in this world. Yeah. And with this Spider-Man, he gave up everything. And now he has to start back from square one, which is honestly what makes him great. Yeah. He decided to sacrifice for the better. And I, I, I really, really fucking like that part, too. Especially, like... 
I, I think like the, the the scene that really got me too that I that I fucking enjoyed was when um was that last scene too when he was fighting Green Goblin right and he was going fucking ham dude yeah so it wasn't like this very easy accessible thing of like these guys told me I'm better I'm not gonna try to kill him no he was going to kill he him. was gonna kill him <laughs> yeah and that's what was so great about the the Tobey Maguire Peter Parker coming in where he becomes the mentor Spider Man just like into the Spider Verse mm. and I fucking love that. Yeah. I love that he was like, like just a cool dad kind of Spider Man. He's like, "You're an Avenger? That's awesome! What is <laughs> that?" <laughs> Bro, I was cracking the fuck up, dude. The jokes were placed so yeah. fucking well, and yeah, it works so well, and and it's so great for those other two Spider Men because their third, I mean, their next sequel was like Spider Man Four with Tobey Maguire, and Spider Man Three with Andrew Garfield was canceled. Yeah, both of them were canned, and there were things that there were supposed to happen apparently and it ended so unceremoniously for them yeah so that this spider-man is their closing for them yeah and i thought that was great too so it's like if you want to see what happens next like <laughs> just after spider-man 3 with venom just pull this one yeah <laughs> i really like the fact that you know because i mean i forgot that doc ock's problem was the chip right and right. with this tony stark's technology it allowed him to fix the one thing that made him go crazy. Yeah. That shit felt so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because Doc Ock, the the Otto Octavius, yeah. it was a friend of Peter Parker's, mm -hmm. right? It, he was a mentor to Peter. He was a very strict father type figure to him. That's why when they meet again at the end, it was so heartwarming. Yeah. Like, you grew up. Kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah, the the callbacks in it were great too. Um, I like how we did just age. He didn't, he didn't fucking age the actor. Oh, um, um Otto Octavius. Octavius was, uh, I'm pretty. They did the uh, de aging on him for sure. Oh, okay. Him and Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because they're supposed to come straight out of the yeah, year yeah. they came. Out. I was like, how come he looks like exactly the same? <laughs> Shit, they did it to Samuel Jackson. You know, throughout uh, Captain Marvel. Oh, it's that's all right. De aging. Yeah, yeah. Face the whole time. That's cool. Dude, the fucking technology is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, dude. I think all these like 70, 80 year old actors, look, uh, the Irishmen, they were all fucking de-aged too, yep. right? Yeah. Yeah. That the de-aging tech has come such a long way that those old ass actors can make a huge comeback. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just like watching how William Defoe is just so fucking good, man. Yeah. I think uh, so many people forgot since he, he was away for so long. It's It was a really good redemption movie for a lot of people who are just a shitty Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking yeah. Jamie Foxx too super funny throughout the yeah. whole film he came back like that was my biggest fucking issue with his character coming as an he, so he's a fucking nerd who's a Spider-Man fanatic mm -hmm. right and then a major accident um, causes him to I don't know suddenly turn crazy right that's a that's a huge trope in comic book movies where for some reason whoever somebody who's kind of close semi-close to our protagonist has this antagonistic turn but not only do they hate them they also go insane for some reason they go like crazy yeah so jamie fox in this one he's like a hyper hyper extra like stereotypical nerd yeah right and then he falls into a, a vada electric he's deals. smooth as fuck yeah his <laughs> his fucking space between his teeth come together too <laughs> And then he comes like, and it becomes like super cool or whatever. Yeah. But then I think they were just like kind of retcon that shit. They were just like, all right, you're 
you're fine. You're just yeah. a normal dude. <laughs> when uh, when Aunt May got hit in the back of the head with the with the green, r- green goblin saucer thing, yeah, I ain't gonna lie. I kind of laughed a little bit. <laughs> I, <laughs> I should. <laughs> I kind of kept it in a bit. But <laughs> it was just like so yeah. sudden. I was like, the fuck what was that? And then like the back of her head was. Being, I was like, oh, yeah. she's going to die, man. Yeah, I think they were meant to make it look pretty violent. Yeah, <laughs> she got hit super hard in the back of the head. I was yeah. like, oh, shit. And when, it, when she was kind of fine with it, I'm like, that shit's whack. I'm like, oh, never mind. She's dying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She doesn't know where she's at. So yeah. Like, <laughs> she's like completely fucking losing it. Yeah. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We talk about BetterHelp a lot on the show. And this month, we are discussing some of the stigmas around mental health. For instance, some people think you should wait until things are unbearable to go to therapy, but that just isn't true. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse, and it can help you avoid those lows. Many people think therapy is for so-called crazy people, but therapy doesn't mean something's wrong with you guys. It means you recognize that, you know, all humans have emotions and, you know, we need to control them and not avoid them. Listen, I've used it and I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. Once again, a lot of these sponsors, they wouldn't be sponsoring me consistently if it's something that I didn't enjoy. It's super easy. It's convenient and you might like it too. So you have nothing to lose. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Just give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. And this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Genius Brain listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash genius. That's betterhelp.com slash genius no it was a great movie um through and through i i didn't get a chance to see it again because my roommate caught covid and i've been in quarantine for the past oh, couple okay. of weeks so yeah, yeah, yeah. i would definitely finally go out to see it now yeah this is just like I again just, by the way. yeah the, it was just that one thing it was just how easily accessible the whole dr strange thing is because but at the same time they did a good job in some of the lines where he was he said it very poignantly. He goes, I keep forgetting that you're just a kid. And <laughs> how he tries to solve all these problems, it's like how a kid would solve yeah. it. Oh, we could just get these guys together. What's the big deal? I don't know. They're fucking villains that kill people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, he doesn't um, have a whole lot of foresight. He doesn't see what's like three steps ahead of him. He only see, sees one possibility. Mm-hmm. And just very much like a lot of immature kids do. And that's the point that people missed with Peter Quill, Star-Lord, in Infinity War, mm. when um, they had Thanos all wrapped up, right? And uh, the fucking antenna girl had put him in a trance. Yeah. And then Peter Quill went up to him and was like, where's Gamora? And freaks out that he killed her. So he fucking hits him in the face. Yeah. And people are like, why the fuck would you do that? It's like, don't forget, his whole character in the Guardian series is that he's an immature 11 year old. He got fucking abducted when he was 11. And so he never grew up. He's a Peter Pan basically. Mm. Yeah. So he, he has major maturity issues in the first two Guardians movies. Yeah. 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 It it carries on through um, his, you can see it with his bickering with Thor too. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, The way he bickers with everybody. That's like, like, that's like too, I think like one of the parts that kind of bothered me, but I, I kind of forgave it when I watched it the second time was, when Aunt May kind of came up to him and she was like, are you doing this for you? Or are you doing it for them? And then he was like, you're right. <laughs> and then he kind of goes about his way. 
But then I also had to realize that that's like his mom mm-hmm. and he's still a little kid and yeah. he still loves and he has a great relationship with Aunt May yeah. and he respects everything that she says. So it's it's his moral beacon. And so, yeah, I think as an adult, if it was like adult Spider-Man, it might be a little weird. But from a kid's perspective, that's very impulsive. It makes sense. Yeah, because even in the, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, they're already in college yeah. by the end of the first movie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I don't know, but is he still in high school in the Andrew Garfield Spider Man? Yes, because yeah. he was in the gym. I remember the scene. Oh, uh, where he play, like, and plays basketball. And yeah. Like, dunks it. Fucking like, cool guy here, dude. Yeah. <laughs> cool guy Spider Man, man. <laughs> that's what I, that's the other problem I had with the other Spider Man is that they do these amazing fucking feats only a spider could do. But everyone's high school is like, wow, Peter Parker's cool. <laughs> Not a single basketball scout came yeah. out. They're like, yo, maybe we should get him on our team. <laughs> yeah. That's why in the gym scenes in Tom Holland's Spider-Man shows him holding back. Where when he's doing all these crunches like crazy and then his coach tells him he's doing a good job. Oh, he starts to like try to act like he's struggling to do yeah. it. Yeah. Because it's too easy for him. I, I also I like, like that better. When um, you know, when he wasn't using his like Peter Tingle as she calls it, or yeah. Spider Tingle or whatever. I remember when she gave him that heads up and threw that shit at him and yeah. it fucking hit him in the face. <laughs> she goes, "Use your fucking Peter Tingle, dude." Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, that's that's the great part. That's why I, I love that they casted Tom Holland because he's still a, a kid. Like, yeah, and they should treat him as like as he was a high school kid. They're they're not smart people. They're, that's why you don't cast thirty year olds play teenagers. You know, like they high schoolers, if you've been around them, they do some dumb shit. Exactly. Yeah. I think it was kind of cool too, where I actually appreciated the uh, the Ned character because in the previous film, um, films that he was acting in, yeah. I I did not like his acting. Yeah. It wasn't very this film though, he was a lot more comfortable. I I think I hope at least that he's taking uh acting classes in between. Yeah. Because in some iterations of the Spider-Man comic book, Ned becomes the Hobgoblin. Spoiler alert, but... Oh, uh, shit. Oh, wait, that's right. That's why that internal thing when he was asking about his best friend. Yeah. That's why he's like, oh, you know, I would never, you know, <laughs> become an enemy to you or some of that yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because in the comics, he does. Yeah, he, beca- he becomes what? The Hobgoblin, right? Or yeah, like yeah. in some other Spider-Man universe storyline. Yeah. Do you know how he becomes a Hobgoblin? No. I just know that he does. <laughs> yeah. Because that was the interesting too. Like what I remember because before I watched um, No Way Home, mm. I watched the previous ones and it, he, he kind of stuck out like a sore thumb a little bit. He was, he was very, very stiff. Yeah. And I'm like, I hope he's going to get better in the third one. It wasn't terrible, but it's like the third one, he was a lot better. Yeah. So something that was, he was doing something in between where I think he just kind of whether he actualized his character a little bit better, but the jokes were hitting harder. His like his 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 lines weren't as stiff. It was just really good to watch. He lost a lot of weight for this one too, right? Yeah, because he was huge in the first yeah, and second you one. You could see his skin lines, like even on his cheeks. Yeah, and stuff. he lost that weight. He so he doesn't have hair. Yeah, he's normally bald too in yeah. real life. Yeah, <laughs> you know what the funny thing is is like I've never really watched the interviews. Oh. I just kind of watched the film. I didn't really like the film, so I never really went back and watched anything about it. And then I was looking at it and I'm like, wait, I was like, how come his hair looks like a wig? Yeah. <laughs> and then I was watching all the Tom Hall. I was like, wait, he's bald. Yeah, he's very bald. Does he have like alopecia or is, is like, no, what is I don't that? know. I think he's like close to 30 years old right now, too. Oh, is he? Yeah. I think when he did the first Spider Man, he was like 26. Oh, for real? Yeah. He looks young. 
Yeah, I mean, that, that Asian don't Asian, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of cool, too, I think, for a lot of Filipino people when they saw the, the Filipino mom yeah. come in and they were, she was speaking like Tagalog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she was tied to just a really funny, funny scene where she's asking him to get the spider webs mm-hmm. in, in, in the corner. Yeah, they just take the time to, all right. Yeah. Like, he fucking went up and he grabbed the fucking yeah. roof and she still wasn't sure if he's like the real Spider-Man. <laughs> Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, it came together really tightly. It, it was great fucking story. It was acted really well. It is opening up to a great new trilogy coming out with you know Tom Holland. Like, it's gonna be great, bro. Venom was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Can we talk about how fucking bad that movie was? The huh? first and second one. First and second. Yeah, dude, I thought the second one was gonna be good. No, it was worse. It was bad. It was like a ten year old wrote it. Like who wrote that one? The same two guys who wrote the first one. And it, well, why they give him another chance? The shit was so bad. Because the first one made like a billion dollars or some shit. It did really well in the box office. But it was so well. Was of so course, bad. it was the first Venom. Of it course, Venom. It's gonna yeah, do well. people want to see Venom. Yeah. But, um, it's just, yeah, I, I did not like him at all. Like I, I, I've completely just written him out in my head. Like that, that they don't exist. It was so bad. Like I, I don't understand. First of all, like. Venom's story is so good. It's yeah. already there. Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be in New York. Yeah. <laughs> like in Brooklyn. He's yeah. from Brooklyn, right? Yeah, he's supposed to be Peter Parker's like antagonist at the Daily Bugle. But uh, I guess they, that's that's the thing where, where I'm seeing it. Like, they know Venom's hot. Venom's a super popular character. They own the rights to him. Sony's like, just make a movie. Even though it's not going to fit the storyline of what our current Spider-Man's doing. Yeah. Just release it. Just make a movie. And that's what the first one was. And it was, you know, it was decent. I never watched it more than once. Yeah. You know, but the the second one, the second one was like a 10-year-old tried to write uncut gems with Venom in it. <laughs> so it was such incoherent dialogue incoherent just all this craziness did and you mess. finish it i couldn't finish it. i no, i i saw it at the theater with two of my friends and i paid for their tickets i said let's go watch venom right because a friend was visiting from virginia it was so bad that all three of us looked at each other like yeah let's leave right damn you so you're watching I, in theater theater and i walked i never walked out of a theater these are expensive i saw it at the pacific theaters at the the fucking americana yeah Dude, I, yeah, like I said, I've never walked out of a theater because it costs so much for a ticket now. But I went to the the kiosk and I was like, can I get a refund? They were like, it's already 45 minutes in. We don't give refunds. And for me, I was like, it's better to walk away and lose this money than go back in there and sit down and watch this. <laughs> and all three of us agreed. We were like, yeah, I would rather not go back. You went back 45 minutes though. I went in like maybe 25. And oh my gosh. I'm like, I can't watch this. One incoherent mess, right? Yeah. That first act was like, like as if you're turning pages of a comic book crazy fast. Like what it, the hell is like going on? In my on? mind, I'm thinking like, were you on speed when you cut this film? Yeah. There was an entire movie in there in that first opening scene trying to explain what the hell is going on. It's so stupid. Yeah. The pacing and the jump, jumping around and the jump. Cause it was Do you just know what like, happened in the end of the film? I never even went back to care to watch it. No, I, I, I didn't pull it up again. <laughs> it's like, what's I the didn't. fucking point? Yeah. I, I, it didn't matter to me at all. It was just so bad that it didn't matter. There was just, you know, when we talk about Spider-Man, like I remember just watching the cartoon and how impactful it is. It's crazy how, like I watched my friend's kids 
And they're super into Marvel too, just like we are. Yeah. Obviously their stuff is a lot more high tech and stuff, yeah. but like their <laughs> love and fervor for Marvel films is just the same as when we were younger. Yeah. Which is kind of crazy. Like even something like, like Pokemon, you know, kids <laughs> still love Pokemon. Yeah. I, I totally missed that train. Like I'm in that age group where I never even actually played it. <laughs> oh, the game or anything? No. For real? Yeah. So I have no like sentimentality towards it. I like I, my brother and sister played it, you know, but I, I don't have the sentimentality, but like when people, when that Pokemon Go craze came out, I was just watching everybody outside my window, like, <laughs> like rushing together and I'm like, <laughs> And I'm just watching like, I mean, I guess it looks fun. But like, I, I never really got into it. So. I tried doing, dude, let me tell you how lazy I am. Uh, I tried getting into a Pokemon Go, but I realized that I had to like actively walk around and search for things. <laughs> so my brother got me this like watch that's attached to your phone. Yeah. That kind of just catches Pokemon automatically as you just walk around and do normal shit. So you don't have to look at your phone. <laughs> <laughs> Literally the laziest piece of shit ever. And then I hacked my iPhone at the time to just, instead of me walking, I could make my character walk without actually you having to control your GPS yeah. to say where you are. And then I would be like oh, in Japan. Gosh. I'd be like in really? like South Africa. You go to the Himalayas. Yeah. Like. <laughs> I'm catching all these obscure Pokemon because I was that fucking lazy. Wow. Dude, people lost weight playing Pokemon. Oh, Go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was a huge craze like that. Like, it, it made all these people just get up and walk. People still play it till this day. Really? Not not as crazy as before, but right. I remember just uh, going to my local, like, coffee places. And you see people at, like, these monuments, these, like, uh, fountains or whatever, collecting Pokeballs and shit. Wow. And they're doing it raids, like, in, in a group of friends. So I guess it's still going on. I mean, people still do play Counter-Strike, right? <laughs> it's as if people could go out and get out together and yeah, do that I shit. I think it was good too because it, even though people were on their phones, it was nice to see people just go outside and do outdoor activities, yeah. which yeah. is something that a lot of people don't really do nowadays. That's a great thing for a fucking video game to do. For real. Like- <laughs> Dude, there was, I read an article where there was like a guy who lost like 60 pounds. Nice. Because he was so obsessed with Pokemon Go, he would just constantly walk around his fucking neighborhood and just catch Pokemon. <laughs> so now he's just a fit guy. He's still catching Pokemon though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> After the uh, the game died, he's fat yeah. again. No, but um, the other movie we saw, right, uh, that came out around like a couple days after was uh, Matrix Resurrections, aka Matrix Part 4. Dude. So I only got to watch, you watched it multiple times. Yeah. Um, Just to kind of preface this, uh, and I think we might have talked about this on the podcast too, but there is this whole, I don't know what happened with the lawsuit exactly, right? But there's yeah. this whole talk and conspiracy about Matrix, the original script being stolen from this lady. Yes. Back in the, like, I think the 80s, I guess, she sued Warner Brothers specifically because I guess they, well, not Warner Brothers. She sued a couple uh, studios because the script also came out of, Uh, Terminator 2. This podcast is brought to you by Uncommon Goods. This Valentine's Day, the way to their heart is through Uncommon Goods, my friends. One-of-a-kind gifts that are perfect for your one-of-a-kind love. Uncommon Goods has hundreds of gifts that you can customize based on your unique love story. And not only that, they also offer a wide variety of uncommon experiences that make the perfect romantic date night. 
These live virtual classes include topics like aphrodisiac cooking for two, rare, magic and mixology, ooh, romantic map making, and a whole bunch more. And let's just talk about their high quality, unique, and often handmade or made in the U.S. products. They have the most meaningful out of the ordinary gifts anywhere. I actually bought a whole bunch of stuff recently during Christmas time at Uncommon Goods, and everybody loved their gifts. That's no cap. I'm being serious. I actually love Uncommon Goods. If you've ever gotten a shit gift from somebody just because they didn't really take the time to kind of look into really dope gifts, I guarantee you, you get them something from Uncommon Goods. They're going to love it. Legit didn't have a bad experience from giving out these gifts this year, and I love it. And you know, Valentine's Day is coming up, my friends. You better get that in, in. So to get 15% off your next gift, Go to uncommongoods.com slash brain. That's uncommongoods.com slash brain for 15% off. Don't miss out on this limited time offer. Uncommon Goods. We're all out of the ordinary. So because of the whole machine war. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So she was saying that these two franchises stole my initial idea from her short stories. Oh, she even went after Terminator. Terminator. Yeah, James Cameron. For reals? Did yeah. she win that one? That's what I, I, I think from... The latest I heard, either I think she won a settlement. So it was just like, don't talk about it ever again. And since then, they've been just pumping out all these sequels. If you've noticed, why is there so many Terminator sequels now? And such terrible ones. Yeah, too, the terrible the ones, right? It's just you got to keep releasing it and just keep pumping it and make money out of it, I guess. But that's that's a conspiracy-ish. So when you, but when you watch this one, you're like, did the same person write the first movie? <laughs> yeah. Well, see, this is the thing, right? Because I remember watching, I mean, how old were we when Matrix came out? 1999, I was 14. Okay. So yeah. I, I was 13. So I was like, you know, what, junior high or whatever. Yeah. Right? So, I, I was like a freshman. My older youngs, you know, bought me the tickets because they were 18. Yeah. And yeah. That was one of the greatest experiences of my life too. Oh, that's right. I actually watched, I think I watched The Matrix in Korea. Mm. And I and then they had like Korean subtitles for it, but I could right. just listen to it straight up. Yeah. Um, but Matrix was very the first one was so fucking good. And I actually went back and watched the first one. It still holds and up. And it's still so fucking good. Yeah. It's still visually unique. As many parodies as there could be out there. Um, no movie still matches the way it looks, the way it feels, the fucking intensity of it, the pacing of it, the all of the inspirations that they took from anime and, and Hong Kong and Wuxia films, like it's all in there. It's just such a great, unique piece of cinema. I think when uh, later on when I watched it, you know, I've probably seen the first Matrix at least like 10 or 12 times now. Yeah. And um, when I started reading up more about film and like how it was shot and kind of like the way that each frame was kind of made. I was like, no wonder I like this shit. It's fucking anime. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know? anime. I was like, no wonder I like you, this shit. Have it's, you seen the Matrix storyboards? Yeah. It looks like a manga. It's, yeah. It's it's The storyboards are some of the best storyboards you'll see. They, yeah. It looks like a really awesome comic book. And they filmed it that way. It, it looks like epic and amazing and wide and, and beautiful. Yeah, I'll tell you this. It's not very easy to do, Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, dude, that shit oh, man. got canceled so fast oh man that's so sad that man i heard some like people that. man okay listen friends out there i i know you guys were doing brand deals and saw a lot of friends do brand deals for cowboy bebop they're like listen a lot of people don't know but it's actually a lot better than you think you are going to hell <laughs> 
you are going to hell so fucking well, fast. I'll tell you what, I haven't seen it yet. So maybe we'll do a, a review. Did you see? Did you? I saw the trailers. I haven't seen I'm it. I never saw it. you a clip of somebody saying that Cowboy Bebop is like watching um, Seinfeld in space. I saw that clip. <laughs> That's probably why I haven't seen it because when they I saw that clip first, I was like, "Did I just ruin this for myself?" Because <laughs> like, I saw it the first, like I think a couple episodes. I can't remember. I, I didn't like it, but I was like, "This is a little too accurate." So it, it felt like a sitcom with no laugh track. Yeah, and you know what they're trying to do is because you know in Cowboy Bebop, the main character, he's such a cool, sly guy. Yeah. Right. So when he says these lines that are kind of like one line hitters. I think in anime, when you translate it from English to Japanese, it sounds fine. Yeah. But when you try to actualize it in English, yeah. it just sounds, it's weird. It's like, what are you, a fucking douche? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you talking like that? Yeah, it, it was just a really, really weird iteration, you know what yeah. I mean? But go, to go back to Matrix, like when I went to, when I was going back watching the first one and then I went back to the second one back to back, because I'd yeah. never really done that before, I was like, these bitches stole this shit. <laughs> You motherfucker stole this. Why is the second one so bad? So, so it. I think it ties in with the entire story, though. I it, okay. So watching this part four made me actually appreciate the second and third one even more. Really? Yeah, I started to like it even more, just because I was digging into the lore, of mm-hmm. it, like of what it all meant. So like I think people get confused as to what the entire Matrix trilogy is about. Yeah. Right. So like to to cap it off, basically, we start with this guy, Thomas Anderson, and he has a pretty dull drab life, but he's also a hacker. And he finds this underground group of people who tell him that they could free him from this world. Right. But they can't tell him from what it is. But he knows that it feels like a dream and that nothing is real. And so when they free him, he's in this fucked up Real, the real world is fucked up. It's actually a thousand years in the future, and the robots have taken over the earth and destroyed all of humanity. And they're just the what's it? Just single like survivors out which there living in the city. Which one was the reality, and which one was not reality? The red or the blue pill? Red pill was reality. Yeah, like how it really is. Yeah, when you take the red pill, it'll take you out of the matrix, and yeah. you can you wake up in these pods. Where you are essentially a, an energy source for the machines. machines. I would have taken the blue right. pill immediately. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> yeah. that's the idea, right? Um, the uh, there's that character Cipher where mm. he betrays them because he thinks this real world fucking sucks. He wants to go back. He's actually the, the one that makes sense. Yeah, he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, right. And um, so he he wants to go back and he wants to betray them because this world sucks now. When he betrays them, they capture Morpheus so they can get the codes, access code to Zion, this the last remaining human city. And there's this dialogue that people miss from Agent Smith that I think is so important, where he gives the history of the Matrix. And he explains, like, this is the sixth version of the Matrix, you mm. know? And the machines, they, the programmers, they specifically said it to be in 1999. The pinnacle of humanity, they say, before the birth of AI. They call it pinnacle of, of, the, of humanity because it was when humans thought for themselves before they let the machines do all the thinking for them. Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> so this movie in 1999 was literally predicting the future. That in he was saying at this point before 
the humans let all the the you know machines do all the thinking this is when you guys were at your greatest like around this time like yes we had the internet we had like web 1.0 but we had technology that worked for us but we were still like we like a humanity that thought for itself yeah pretty much and this space would allow humans to want to stay here right because they have the illusion of choice you know mm. and and so that was really important because it was saying like showing how um when people want machines to do the thinking for them it was kind of alluding towards the day and age we live in now where we are stuck on our phones we are stuck in social media we want to plug in like this is being blue pill pretty much you know what's even it's interesting because there's even something creepy as this like on Instagram, there's an ad that keeps on being sold to me, which is the uh, the program that Iron Man uses, Jarvis. Really? Yeah. So there's this other uh, company that's called like Jarvis something, but basically their platform is trying to sell you on, hey, have you ever? Are you a blog post writer? Well, how don't you use Jarvis? It'll just write everything for you. What? It's an AI program. It's that an AI program that'll write your blog post for you. Mm. That kind of like inherently takes over your personality. So and, you do Mad Libs and you write in like you fill in the blanks, <laughs> and so it'll just like learn the way that you write things, and it'll kind of imitate Yo. it, which is a little creepy. Yeah, that's crazy. It's really fucking creepy. So when when we move on then towards where we are now in, with this matrix, um. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> off the bat it just doesn't look the same yeah it's shot digitally that's one and the other one is that they got rid of all the wuxia yes. they got rid of all the anime frames they got rid of all the comic book style of, of framing they got rid of um, even the color grading <laughs> so the color grading part was the thing that it made it hard for me to move past. Yeah. Just, I couldn't move past it, right? Because iconically speaking, Matrix set a tone that a lot of other films took from. Yeah. Specifically that type of color. It's what kind of makes the Matrix the Matrix. Yeah. And I was like, it felt like I was watching a different film. But then when, when since I've been watching it multiple times, yeah. because of how meta this movie gets, actually there's a purpose and reason for every that serves the story okay. too for why it is the way it is. So now this new matrix, right? It's uh, built by the analyst, right? Um, mm -hmm. What's his name? Neil Diamond. What's his? What's oh, his Neil guy? Patrick Harris. Ma Neil, yeah. Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah. yeah. He. So he is the analyst, right? He's the new architect. He built this new matrix, mm -hmm. and he didn't make it drab and green and and whatever anymore. He's he built it to play off of our emotions. So instead of 1999, he chose 2021 when our society is now purely based of our emotions and our reactions, our anxieties and our fears and our hopes through social That's, media, oh yeah. and through pop culture, through the stuff we consume. So, <laughs> so it, it, made, it made a lot of sense as sense. to why the Matrix is the way it is now. Yeah. Right. But at the same time, the the way it looks like that, I'm sure it's because the Warner Brother heads and they were parodied in the movie as the video game marketing team, right? Yeah. And they were straight up just talking about what the Matrix did for culture and why why the Matrix is important. Mm -hmm. And he was just parodying probably this meeting he was actually in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, the yeah. other meeting with um his boss too. Their boss specifically says, 
our parent company, Warner Brothers, is going to make the Matrix 4 with or without you. And that's a real thing that happened. You know? Oh, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah, real yeah, thing yeah. That yeah. happened to the Wachowskis. Yeah. And so, like, they just fucking went with it. Fine. If you are going to make it anyway, then it still has to have my touch or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right? And you can see that the studio had all these demands for what they think what makes the Matrix great and what they think the audience is going to like about it. Yeah. Right. And in turn, this is so meta, Wana Wachowski, she, she mocked it. She mocks her own Matrix in the guise of mocking the studio heads. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You think all this, think that made Matrix is so great, so awesome. Well, like in the story, the machines take those stories and they turn to a video game and they mock your achievements. They mock your dreams. Yeah. <laughs> like they mock your hope. Right. And so I started to appreciate it a little more. I still don't like the delivery. You know? Yeah. I still don't like the delivery. Yeah, when you say it like this, like I, I do understand concept wise, it's really great. Execution to me was so terrible. It was bad. Yeah. It's just like, like I said, because I like the Matrix so much. And just to kind of wrap back to, you know, what we were talking about the difference between like digital and practical effects, it does make a fat difference. Yeah. Like, like that frame rate changing their bullet time. Ugh. Ugh. Dude. Indigestible. Like we, when you go back, like I, I'm not sure if you guys have watched the first Matrix. Like it's been a while. Go watch it again. Yeah. And, and you'll see what we're talking about. Just like, we could even go back to a film like Alien. Right. The very first Alien, if you guys have no idea, if you if you've never if you're younger and you haven't watched Alien the first one, you are going to see how amazing practical effects are. Yeah, and how it holds up. That so I like Terminator 2 holds up really well today too. And it's just like simple chrome animations, yeah. right? But wow, fucking wow. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty amazing, man. Like when I when I look back at it and I see um like the the very first alien, and I'm like, I can't believe somebody built this. Yeah, <laughs> you know all that shit people have to put together. Oh my god! But here's the crazy part: watching Matrix Four made me think, man, they got a small budget for this. <laughs> Actually, it was the most expensive Matrix movie. It Why? cost like two hundred million dollars. Yeah, which you makes you think, where where did that, where did that money go? But I guess uh, they did a lot of practical car crashes in San Francisco. There was like a bunch of complaints, apparently. Oh, for real? Yeah. Like, they could have saved that money. Yeah. There was, <laughs> they could have saved that yeah, money. Yeah. Like it, the, the, the first Matrix had the smallest budget of them all and still 100% way better visually and just storytelling. $200 million? Yeah. It's a fucking Marvel film, dude. Yeah, exactly. And that was the problem with it was that they were trying to make a blockbuster movie out of it, right? The formula blockbuster movie. But The Matrix wasn't a formula blockbuster. Mm. It's such a unique fucking film that other blockbusters took from, right? So it it did take some story beats. It was a little bit of a reboot, but that was part of the idea of an infinite loop kind of happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. So do do you know what the entire Matrix trilogy is like? actually actually about and no. where this one comes from no so i mean you know the story of the one basically yeah. in in the first one well in the second and third one um what they do is turn that idea of the one on its head that the one was actually it's not real the one was just in a uh, a mode of control to control humans to manipulate humans to think that he's their savior yeah so like, okay, 
the whole history of pretty much the matrix basically is there was a a human machine war right and the machines won straight up and once they took over the earth they started turning humans into uh, energy sources right and so the matrix 1.0 the thing that put them in a dream state so they can draw power out of them was to make them happy they made a perfect matrix right yeah and the thing was, though, the humans couldn't accept it because it was too perfect. They're like, this isn't real. This is not reality. And when they realized that all these humans started waking up and they said entire crops died and they lost a lot of energy and power. So they had to reset it. And this time, because they're binary machines, they made a nightmare matrix, right? That's where the Merovingian and those two pale ass freaks, yeah, yeah, they yeah. come from, right? Though They're ghosts, werewolves, vampires. Right. So they made this nightmare matrix to um, to bring fear and all these brain patterns come out of their heads to draw power. But at the same time, the humans didn't accept that they wanted out. Yeah, (laughs) obviously. Right. (laughs) Fucking fickle ass people. So by the third matrix, the architect. Right. uh, And the, the machines, they created a program called the Oracle. Yeah. Right. And her program was to understand humans, right? And to calculate so far ahead of what's going to happen by the algorithms that they're feeding the humans, right? And that algorithm is choice. They, they said, if you give them choice or at least the illusion of choice, then they'll stay. They'll stay in the matrix, right? And it worked, except the sum of every decision made by everybody in the matrix subconsciously or unconsciously turned into this code called the anomaly, right? And that code anomaly would destroy the matrix in turn, destroying everybody that's plugged in and killing the entire crops again. So what the architect and Oracle do is they take that code and implement and put it in a human into Neo, right? Mm. So in the first move, so what they also do, right? This is all, this is all expository. You know when Neo goes and meet the Oracle and then they just talk and talk and talk on the bench yeah. and then there's a big burly brawl, right? And then the, he goes to the architect and they just talk and talk and exit. This is basically what they're talking about. So, mm. yeah. So the whole idea was then that the architect and the Oracle created a story, right? Of the one, right? So that the humans would believe that he is their savior, Right. And so the machines built a city called Zion. Right. And all that 1% of people who want to get free and get out, they get led into Zion. Right. That's actually Zion's trash can. You know, your recycle bin. Yeah. 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 That's actually recycle bin. All those faulty power sources that keep getting out, they want to lead them there. Not only that, they want this anomaly that they control, right? They can only control that code if it's in a human because you can manipulate a human. Yeah. And to do that, the Oracle gave this program, this of love for humanity, right? So he would be the one, the savior, the superhero type, right? So that inevitably he would lead these people who want free from the matrix, these buggy, faulty energy sources in the trash can so that they'll destroy Zion and kill all those people. So this was actually part of their system, being free and and the one and restraining yeah. all these people is all it's actually all planned. Part planned. It's part of the control that they have, right? And so what that one or the anomaly 
guy, he his end would be to go back to the source, that big baby face um, robot thing. Yeah. You know, um, and restart the Matrix, basically. Reboot and save all those people plugged in, you know, and then they just start over in a loop. And so that has happened six times already. So by the time Matrix Part 1 happens, that's the sixth time that loop has happened. But in Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Part 2, it's revealed that the Oracle, we learn, is a computer program. Inevitably turning to us learning that Neo is also a computer program. Yeah. You know? And he, this version of Neo though, the Oracle, right? She was tired of having to exterminate all these humans, you know, by the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, every cycle is just murdering, destroying them, right? And so she had a bigger plan of brokering peace between the humans and the machines finally, because they've just been at war for thousands of years. Yeah. And her plan was now to implant a different code of love into Neo, which is a love for Trinity. And Trinity also has another code implanted into her. That's why in the first Matrix, when she kisses him, he comes back to life. It's because she accesses that an anomaly code in him, right? Oh. And then he goes into Agent Smith, destroys him, right? But what happened in that point though, like Agent Smith is supposed to go to the source to, to be recycled, destroyed or whatever, yeah. right? But because the anomaly code was copied onto him, aka the one code, that's why Mr. Uh, Agent Smith came back and he's crazy powerful. Yeah. But he also has this compulsion to copy and copy and copy. He's a virus. <laughs> he became a virus. Yeah. Right. And that the code that was given into Neo to love Trinity now was made to prevent him from having Trinity to die rather than preventing humanity to die. Yeah. Right. So by the time he goes to see the architect, he's there's two doors, right? Go through this door, go to the source, and we're going to reset the matrix. We're going to save everybody in those pods and, you know, Zion's going to be destroyed. Or go back and try to save this girl. You're not going to save her. She's going to die. And we're going to kill everybody anyways. That's essentially what the architect yeah. is saying, right? And what's he choose? He chooses this time, right? Because all the other iterations before him went to the source. But the Oracle planned this part for him to choose to go through the other door and save Trinity yeah. instead of going this, going to the source and restarting it. Leading into the events of Matrix Revolutions, which shows that the Oracle had planned this virus of the agent to take over the Matrix to, became, to become a bartering deal between Neo and the machines to broker peace finally. This was all in the Oracle's plans. It was all planned out. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And so that way that uh, Matri uh, Neo goes in, tries to fight him and without actually defeating him, when he gets copied into him, the source finally gets access to Agent Smith and destroys his code. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they Neo, even though he gives his life, that peace is brokered. The, the machines finally... Stop destroying Zion. Yeah. Now, right. And that's where Matrix 4 picks up when they go see Niobe. Mm -hmm. You know, she's like 90 something years old and she says what happened after. Like the Oracle dream happened. That's why you, like, I had a problem at first seeing these cute fucking robots. Yeah. 
Because, you know, in the first three yeah. Matrix, the robots were the fucking, like, gross enemy, right? They were just these octopus fucking murderous things. Yeah. And now you got, like, these cute robots jumping around. And then I thought about it like, oh, like, the, the Oracle wanted this. She wanted to see a future where the machines and humans work together to build a better life on yeah. Earth. And it was happening. It was starting there. And in my mind, I would think like, yeah, if I was a crazy looking machine and I wanted to help the humans, I think I would change up my whole look to be more acceptable. Yeah. You know, to be more trustworthy, not this crazy, you know, tentacle monster. Dude, it's like yeah. one of those like Ajashis that try to be super cool with the young kids. Yeah. You know, like, hey, man, what's up? You know? <laughs> so, so I just gave the whole lore, basically. So yeah. That's what I mean. I appreciate that they stuck to the lore and they started explaining like, you know, if you understood what was going on till then, to what's happening now, is that the analyst now has taken over. They've purged the architect and the oracle. Yeah. Right. But the oracle's dream has lived out now for the last 60 years, I guess. Mm -hmm. The humans and robots are starting to work together. And what had happened after Matrix Revolutions was part of the peace deal was whoever wants to be free from the Matrix will be set free. And so millions were set free. And they built this city of I.O., yeah. this new city. And in turn, with that happening, the machines lost all these, this power. And that caught it, caused a civil war. So a new power has risen up, you know, to control this new matrix. Mm -hmm. That's why even though this one flopped, it actually did really bad, apparently. I do want to see it continue. To see where it's going to go. See where it's going to go. Because if you, if you appreciate the lore of the Matrix and where it's going, then I want to know what happens next. I mean, the lore from the way you explain it, like, it kind of pieced together a lot of things for me. Like, it makes sense. But I just hated the delivery so bad. Yeah, yeah, like, why, but, like, the way you explain it, it sounds pretty amazing. But then when you watch this, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fuck is this? Yeah, you have to sit through, like, this is one of the first movies where I couldn't wait until the exposition happened and <laughs> wanted to skip the action. Yeah. Something about the action was so cookie cutter or drab or like. It could have been on a TV show. Yeah. That's like, what it felt like to me. That fight in that warehouse was so convoluted, was so witchy. It did that stupid American style of fast cuts, yeah. shaky cam bullshit. And I was like, dude, uh, like, I was like, am I watching a CW show? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? The shit was pissing me off. That's, I started looking at this like it looks like it's the same DP across all the other Warner Brothers movies of their, all their other blockbusters. Like, yeah. It's got the same color tone too. Like, and like I said, that was the analyst saying, I made this matrix to be more colorful. Yeah. He said that too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, okay. and at the end was pretty important too. How, just like I was saying, like Cypher. You know, he was saying these people here, they want to stay here. They want, you know, certainty. They want all these things. Like they're not going to want to leave this matrix, which makes sense considering we're all stuck to our phones. True. Yeah. Because if I had that option, I'd be like, I'm staying. I would too. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm good. Know, yeah. If, if there was a way, like if, if that future was like humans are, are like fucking batteries and there's no worth living in, without a sun. Yeah. Just give me a digital sun then. Yeah, Whatever. I'm okay. Cause <laughs> Pump vitamin three, yeah. uh, vitamin D, <laughs> D through my neck. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, it's interesting though, like with, I, with the concept of, of, of Matrix 2, just the idea of, you know, kind of like what happiness and reality is, right? Yes. That's the part that always like with the Matrix kind of fucked me up a little bit. Because if reality is simply, 
is what we create in our head. What's real and what's fake? Yeah. You know, like, who's to say that them living in that matrix isn't real? But you, you, you walk around and you see a lot of people who do live in their own reality. They live in their own little story where they're the hero of the world, right? Yeah. You mean a lot of people like that, you know, and, and, and the matrix really did put that on your head. That's the point that the, the machines take advantage of is that humans have this tendency to do that. So this matrix, the new matrix is to, yeah, give them that. That's why there's all these bots to allow them to live out these weird little dreams. Yeah. Yeah. That, like, that whole overarching theme is always like control and choice. Yeah. But the biggest struggle you see with Neo in the, the original trilogy was between him and the Oracle because he is a program, but he he rebels against that consistently yeah. through the films about st- still wanting to make his own choices. Yet at the end, he still fulfilled the Oracle's prophecies. Yeah. Right. Even though he was trying to make his own choice. It's interesting too, where how I think like the way it's described now is like, what's really in your control? You don't know what the fuck is in your control. Yeah. It's, it's, it kind of goes with this idea of just like the Oracle is supposed to be like this omnipotent being, you know, like it's the Oracle's God. Yes. (laughs) You know, like you think that the reason, like the reason why you took this step forward is because you made the choice to your brain activated this thought that said, Hey, I'm going to move these muscles to move forward. Mm -hmm. The Oracle saying this was already planned out. Yeah. And that was actually played out. Like people think it's kind of awkward, but then that scene when he sees her after he runs into Seraph, the the Asian dude with the on white wearing the sunglasses. So Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be a login screen. Right. He's a security block. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So he um so when Neil gets past that, he um talks to her and she goes, sit down. He goes, I'll stand. And then he sits down. He goes, I felt like sitting. And she yeah. goes, Of course you did. <laughs> yeah. But it's just the fact that he's trying to get out of her control. Yeah. But he just can't. Like he is a program. I think people miss that part. Yeah. They still see the humanity in Neil. Um, because he is a human, but then there is that anomaly code in him, which causes like you know when at the end of Reloaded he fucking hits those tentacle sentinels, mm-hmm. you know, and I was so confused about like, that. What the fuck? How do you do that? Yeah, and until I learned about the the code, when he did that, he actually touched the source too. Mm. So like that's part of the entire lore. That See, I that's missed. the thing that you explained that to me. Like I didn't get that in the film. Yeah. I'm like, how do you Hadouk in these fools? Yeah. So the anomaly code is, I guess, a very powerful code. But like um, the other part about this new matrix is that Trinity has the power of the ones, right? Which is kind of confusing. But remember, Neo saved her life when she was falling off that building. And then he started her heart again when he he, touched, he went inside yeah. her pretty much. That was when he also imparted the code got copied into her. Uh, just like it went copied into Smith. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why that bond that they have creates so much energy as the analyst was saying but if they put them together quote unquote bad things happen Mm. so he kept them at a distance pretty much and what he was doing was torturing them right yeah he tortures them to get this brain activity to be so close yet so far to generate all this power for the matrix which I appreciated better because in the other matrix it was just like we're batteries and Mm. it was just that Apparently, the original idea was that we were actually computer processors for the machines, our brains, our oh. organic brains. 
But the studio back then apparently was like, I don't think the audience will understand it because we didn't really know what computers were yeah. back then. People still don't understand that now. Yeah. <laughs> Would have made no damn difference. But I like how they still made it energy, but then that our brain activity generates energy for the machine. I wonder if they were like, if they look back and they go, this is way too complicated for people. Yeah. And, then, and then they saw Interstellar and they're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're like, wait a yeah. second. Yeah, we could have done that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. A- any one of that motherfucker's films is like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah. It's a whole, like, it's all about dimensions and layers on layers on layers. But um, another thing I wanted to bring up was uh, the Wachowskis, since the first Matrixes, have transitioned. That's right. right. They're the sisters now. Yeah. They weren't the only ones though. There's the Wachowskis and also the um I don't know. There's somebody else too. I'm sorry. This is, this is another director uh, brother that became, also became women. Or they are women and they trans I don't know. Um <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I just I don't know what the terminology is, but cuz they 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 know they're they're women. Women, yeah. So that part like a lot of people had suspected that the matrix was an allegory to transitioning to transgenderism. Mm. And the Wachowskis actually came out a couple of years ago and confirmed it, that they did make it as an allegory for transitioning, right? About becoming free and coming into the real world, mm. right? So remember- But then the real world sucks. Exactly. That was the idea, is that when they transition genders, that the, it's going to suck for them. Mm. But they'll be free. They will be who they really are. But the real world also sucks. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. That was the idea. So there was that character switch. She was like the androgynous female yes. with the white hair. Mm-hmm. No, the, not like this. That yeah. girl. So in the Matrix, <laughs> yeah. she's like this, this uh, like uh, andro- androgynous uh, female. But when she wakes up in the real world, they were supposed to cast a man. It was supposed to be a dude. But when he goes in the Matrix, he's a female. Yeah. So the idea was like she was to re- represent like transgender c- uh, character that when she grew up in the Matrix, she was assigned a female. But in her head, she always knew that she was a man. So when she gets free from the Matrix, she wakes up in her real body is a male. Uh-huh. And the studio uh-huh. made them cut that. That would have been so important today, right? Yeah, that would have, that would have <laughs> trans, they're like, yo, this is ahead of its time. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, the overarching story, though, is, you know, does kind of tell the story of the, the people transitioning, of people really trying to figure out who they really are in this world and the choices that they make. Yeah. Yeah. How interesting. Damn, that's actually fucking deep as shit. Yeah, dude. Like, the Matrix goes deep. Yeah. And that's why I fucking love it. It's just, like, at the same time, it was executed very well as a yeah. film. It was just, okay, this fourth one, okay, they... They dive into it. They get into it. There is the Lord there. I just didn't appreciate the execution. I didn't like Neil Patrick Harris's character. I mean, yeah. I, I understood the, the 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 purpose that he had, but then I, I I guess it's just trying to say that all these programs do have different personalities because the architect was this super calculating father figure, and the architect, I mean, the oracle was this loving mother figure, right? yes, with the mother and father of the Matrix. And this analyst is just this fucking douchebag who took it over. Yeah. You know? And I, I just, it was just kind of hard when it leaves idea that there, he's a, he's a program. I feel like for me, I almost wish I didn't watch Matrix 1. I should have just watched 2 and 3 before I watched 4. 
Because I watched right. one and I went straight to four. Mm. And then it was just. There's a whole. Yeah, I was like, what? What? Like I said, like, what in the fucking WBCW shit is this, dude? <laughs> like, I'm so mad. I was like. UPN shit. Yeah, this is UPN. <laughs> UPN. <laughs> Damn. That's like a old cut. <laughs> this is coming on after SmackDown. <laughs> I know, dude. <laughs> Look at this fucking one hour fucking YouTube sketch, dude, yeah. that I'm watching right now. That's man. why it's so hard to believe. Wow, $200 million. Yeah, I got to see because it definitely wasn't because I know when it comes to films, a, a lot of the, the budget has to go into marketing. It wasn't yeah. in this film. So yeah. where the fuck did that money go? I don't know, man. Like there was enough hype for it that you just kind of wonder like it was like either because like the Wachowskis didn't want to do it. But um, apparently for Lana Wachowski, well, for both of them, their parents died. Yeah. And then also one of their close friends also died. Mm. And that made one of the sisters drop out. And that actually motivated the other sister to continue. Yeah. So it made me think maybe the other sister was the one with the eye for the anime <laughs> and action. And yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe that's what happened. Like they needed both of them. But like that's why I'm assuming maybe Lana isn't the action director that other uh i forgot what the other sister's name is i forgot uh moses posted this thing um we have a buddy named moses moses posted this thing where uh on his instagram a while back but it was in stories where it was it was a compilation of all these films that were frame by frame animes mm-hmm. right and it was like i like all these films i didn't know i'm like the fuck oh yeah that the matrix like copied that composition yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that that last scene of um Ghost in the Shell mm-hmm. when they're fighting that's it's the hallways fight yeah. the lobby scene in the Matrix right it's just so beautiful and there there are parts where they try to copy it but like I honestly think this look bullet time what it is today <coughs> you could do so much for some reason I just felt like this version of it was so whack yeah it, it it was either the frame rates of him being so choppy and the open shutters. Or it was just the goofiness behind it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a bit goofy, right? This film, like tone, was just all over the place. Yeah, the, the new film. Morpheus too was a, a bit goofy. Uh, I call him fucking Dorkfius, Dorkfius. dude. <laughs> fucking Dorkfius, dude. I just just all that shit, man. I was like, yeah. who the fuck is this dweeb? I was like, so annoyed. <laughs> he's so yeah. It's like he's he's the program that Neo wrote within the Matrix. Yeah. In the Matrix, Neo made a video game. So the program, and he, he made it open source so that somebody out there could reach him, mm-hmm. right? I guess it was a subconscious thing. And the actual crew of real people went into the Matrix, then hacked into his video game. And that's why they were seeing it in first person. Mm. So that first scene, opening scene, is, is they're actually inside a video game, which was kind of funky for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But that's the idea of it being meta, quote unquote. I can't believe you watched it so many times, dude. Because like, <laughs> I would have never picked up any of this because shit. Because I was stuck in quarantine. I wish I could have yeah. saw Spider-Man four more times, but yeah. I was stuck with The Matrix. So I watched it over and over again. One yeah. thing I really appreciated about Spider-Man was just, um, it, it was the CG effects. Like all the CG shit looks so good. Right. You know? Right. And to wrap it back to Shang-Chi. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, why couldn't they do the same for that fucking movie, man? Well, well here's what I also thought about it. Considering uh, Matrix, though, 
was when they cut out all those great fucking action scenes, like the fight scenes that were in the previous ones. I was like, why did they take that out? And in my head, it made me think that maybe the studio thought like Kung Fu was was not cool anymore. Right. So they didn't go back to get um, Yuan Mo Ping. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like legendary like fight choreographer and wire work choreographer. And they cut all that stuff out, right? He was the one that they gave him his own film with, uh, with uh, what's his face? With uh, Neo. What's his name? Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. Uh, tai Chi Master, is it? <laughs> if you guys are watching this on video, I wish you could see my face. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally one of the worst films I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. Like, I was so disappointed yeah. and pissed how they did him like that. There was this, it's literally one of the funniest films I've ever seen. What? Is that that last fight scene where he just jumps into the river, like the Hudson River, and just swims? Really? Did you see I that? didn't see it. No. So I forgot what the whole concept was, but Keanu Reeves just consistently kept saying at the end, "You owe me a life," you know, because Keanu Reeves can't not sound like Keanu Reeves. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's a and Keanu Reeves is the antagonist. He's a villain, <laughs> and he's like he he just repeatedly says his line, "You owe me a life." He ate me alive. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on here? But essentially, um, Keanu Reeves, he escapes this last fight scene that he has, right? And they're on this like platform and stage where everybody's fighting each other. And how he evades and escapes like the police and everybody, he just jumps into the like the Hudson River or some shit and he just swims <laughs> across it. Sweet. So Tai Chi Master's set in New York. Or something like that. I don't know where the fuck it is. It's like in the States or some shit. But he, uh, I mean, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but just that one scene, he just jumps into the water and then he just swims away to freedom. I'm like, so he just swam (laughs) like 30 miles? (laughs) Credits roll? Yeah. (laughs) I think he got caught later on. I was like, what in the fuck is going on? I think that's the the problem with this new Matrix though, is that I, like I said, I felt like the studio thought that like Kung Fu wasn't cool anymore actually Kung Fu films, but then Shang-Chi came out. Now, this is what I'm saying. I wish there was Shang-Chi level of fight, fighting choreography in this Matrix. Oh, that would have been great. I think it would have filled in a lot of gaps. <laughs> like oh, It would have gave me something to bite on. Yeah. For sure. But at the same time, though, the fight scenes in this Matrix didn't mean anything. Yeah. Like when Neo faces Agent Smith, it fucking meant something. Oh, my God. They, he says... He's starting to believe, mm-hmm. right? When he starts to believe that he's the one, he starts beating the shit out of Agent Smith, right? Like, and, like each fight scene, even the the conversation with the architect, that's a fucking fight scene, mm-hmm. right? It's just a fight scene with dialogue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And the way he won that fight was by making his own choice, not by the choices he was given yeah. by the architect because they're in control of him. And by him beating the architect is him making his own choice and going towards the other door, right? This new Matrix, they fought just to fight. Yeah. <laughs> just to, hey, remember? I still know no, Kung, Kung Fu. Fu. <laughs> and that's why it was like, what is this pointless fighting going on? Like, so the Merovingian shows back up, right? He was having a rant in the middle of this big fight going on, yep. right? And I felt like that was probably the director saying like what he's saying is way more important than this fighting. Yeah. Right. Which kind of pissed me off. Like, cause what he's saying is important because he's complaining about this new matrix, the smartphones, the texting, the social media, the video games and all that. And he says, we used to have style. 
We used to have class. We used to have conversations. Mm-hmm. Now look at this shit. This Facebook Zuckerberg bullshit. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why he's so angry because he was he lost that all in this new version of the Matrix with everything we have now. People like him are like worthless in this Matrix. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that was way more important than the fight that was happening in the background. Like I don't know what the fuck. Whoever this new version of Agent Smith came for no reason to. Mm-hmm say something and then they start fighting and um, what and then he walks away like and then he goes sees trinity and then more exposition from the analyst explaining where he is yeah it's just the whole film too like and the reason why i don't have much to say about it is i didn't like it like (laughs) like you know you know to wrap it back to shang chi is like the reason why i had more to say about shang chi is because there was things i liked about it and there was things i disliked about it yeah you know so there was just more things to talk about right yeah. and it was something that i was really really invested in yeah. with matrix it was just i don't know like for me too it's I mean, i'm glad that you explained the lore now it starts to like piece up and make a little sense so now i probably if i watch it again it'll probably feel a lot better yeah but because it was so just chopped up and stupid yeah. I just got really upset watching it. I was just, <laughs> just irritated the whole time. They they keep bringing up the theme of choice as well, mm-hmm. right? And that was important to the Merovingian, right? Because like I said, he's part of that second nightmare matrix. Mm-hmm. And um, he brought up the whole idea that choice is an illusion because he knows he was in the matrix before the one before he was replaced by the Oracle. Yeah. Right. That's why he hates the Oracle so much. And he wants the eyes of the Oracle. Um, and he shows in, uh, by example that he says that choice is an illusion in this matrix. And let me show you. And what he does is he feeds this girl some orgasm cake, right? And I think the allegory there being that being controlled by these programs and machines is akin to like sexual assault. Like it's it's a violation. Yeah. And that's why your freedom and your choice is so important. And then like, where is any of that? allegory going on here is just like <laughs> it's it was just so basic yeah everything was so basic and then you know if, if you put it like that too all the stuff that they were setting up in the second and third one there was just a lot of stuff that was missed too then you know mm. for me it just i just ugh, i don't know man yeah like i said because of how much i loved the first one and once again i made the mistake of watching the first one yeah <laughs> and before i watched that shit because it just all pieced so well together yeah. like I, I it's very I think when we talk about cult classics too, we're talking about films that really just kind of change the landscape of film in general. Yeah. Like even, even like this film, right? Think about the movie 300. Right. Right? 300 changed the landscape Dude. of fucking action films. Dude, speed ramps would never be the same since 300. Yeah. <laughs> After 300, every fucking action scene had speed ramps. Yeah. And superheroes couldn't look like Nicolas Cage anymore. Yeah. You had to be jacked. Mm-hmm. You had to be on a program. <laughs> dude, Gerard Butler, dude. Yo. So fucking buff. How very odd yeah. that he had a thick Scottish accent. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah. Man, nice uh, Greek warrior there. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's like, yo, what the fuck is that? This is Scotland. <laughs> this is Scotland. <laughs> but. Yo, uh, apparently he they told him, all right, you have to be jacked. We need you to lift this much. You got to look like this. You can come train with us and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I'll, I'll see you in in like in 90 days. And then apparently he came back and he was just. Yeah. They had the 300 workout, the yeah. Gerard Butler 300 workout. And then I the remember my Jim buddy. Jones. 
Yeah. My buddy uh, in college, he tried doing it and he threw up in the gym because <laughs> it was that fucking hard. Yeah. But they also forgot that this motherfucker was on the sauce. Yeah. He was, he was cycled. Dude, all these people. Have you seen this, that channel, More Plates, More Dates? Uh-uh. So More Plates, More Dates is a guy that, he, he's a self-proclaimed, like, I wouldn't say steroid expert, mm-hmm. but the guy cycles himself and he's a very, very intelligent guy. Okay. Um, he has a background like in chemistry and biology and all this other stuff. So his thing is, it's just literally uncut him talking for like an hour about what uh, the steroid cycle that somebody might have been taking. Well, so just one of the, by looking at them? just by looking at them and seeing like certain things because uh, he's he I, has a background. I've in seen it. channels like that, like Natty or something yeah. else. I forget. So like Natty or not or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, more plates, more dates. Is he is really good at breaking everything down. Right. And so one of the person people that he broke down was uh, Kamel. Uh, mm, yeah. The, uh, the Eternals guy. Eternals guy, yeah. Right, stand-up comic, really funny dude. And he's just like, like I mean, you didn't really need to see the video just to know this fool's on steroids. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but he breaks down, like, for example, like, he, he'll he do um, an idea of what type of steroids they were taking and what the cycle was on. Like, for example, Thor. Yeah. Right? Like, how he just blew the fuck up. Yeah. You know? And then he was like, okay, this is probably what he was taking at what time and, and what it does exactly. So it's kind of fascinating. And I think a lot of people don't know, even though you guys keep hearing it, is that there's a, a lot of people that are on steroids. A lot. I mean, like, I can't believe people just look at The Rock like, wow. Well, like, you when must I'm work 60, outside. I hope I look like that. <laughs> it's, it's so weird to see, like, clearly the symptoms of steroid abuse, like having an interview with the president of the United States of America. Like, this guy is on a narcotic, I yeah. think. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. Like, look at the size of his head now. Yeah, people don't ever question it. It's like, dude, of course he's on roids. Yeah. Like, and, you know, and, and there was a guy, so years ago, there was a dude, uh, he probably doesn't remember this now, but he is super jacked. I think he's from the UK and he lives in LA. I think he's like a millionaire now, millionaire now because he made so much money. Yeah. But it was a guy named Simeon Panda. Simeon Panda, dude, is like a, a specimen. The guy uh-huh. is jacked beyond belief. Like when you look at him, he looks like a fucking superhero. Right, he's got that major V going Bro, on. Bro, <laughs> dude, he's like, he looks insane. So years ago when Instagram just started, and this is when memes just came out. Mm-hmm. And so I can't remember what the exact picture, uh, what the exact uh, meme was or what the joke was about it. But it was a picture of Simeon Panda flexing. And he's jacked as shit. I, just, I, would, I used to just repost some memes every now and then, but yeah. he, uh, I guess he didn't flex one of his pecs. And so one of his tits were hella tiny and yeah. the other one was huge. <laughs> and so I think it was something the meme either said natty or not. And the bottom said more like titty or not. You know? <laughs> and I just posted it because I thought it was a funny meme. Yeah. And then this fool wrote on the comments and he just, he was like, well, guess what? You're not even fucking funny. And I'm like, who is this? <laughs> I don't know who the fuck the guy was. So this guy, Simeon Panda, was mad at me, some fat fucking Asian kid. And I wasn't even making, I just reposted, I didn't make the fucking meme, you know? Right, did he like threaten you, like kick your ass? Yeah, he was like writing all this shit. And I just wrote, I was like, who are you? Question mark. He goes, I'm the guy in the photo. And I'm like, cool. I was like, did I hurt your feelings? Question mark. Yeah, dude, that's, 
I think when you bring that up, I I do remember like reading those. He was so insecure. He was so insecure. Major insecure about his pecs. It's like, but your pecs are big. Yeah. You know? It's like, <laughs> I was like, also, look at, I'm not making fun of you. I just reposted a meme. Yeah. He's like, look at the photo. Zero body fat. Like, we know. It's like, okay, <laughs> guy. Yeah. And so I think the part that really pissed him off, I was like, this is what I wrote. And I, this is kind of an asshole thing for me to do. I was like, I was like, I was like, I'm sorry. So if you just write that I hurt your feelings, I'll take the photo down. Did I hurt your feelings? Question mark. And I put a heart at the end of it. (laughs) (laughs) Right? And he just started going off at that point. He goes like, oh, he was like, you fucking people out here, blah, blah, blah. Just kind of like, you know, making fun of me or whatever. But all my subscribers like, bro, it's a meme. He didn't make the fucking meme. I understand if you have a body of a God yet, have no confidence in yourself. Yeah. I can't understand that. Like, look at you. But you know, <laughs> I was asking a bunch of bodybuilder people too, because you know, like you know, uh, at Barbell, there's a lot of buff people. He mm. goes, dude, the strongest, buffest people are the most insecure human beings. It's uh, their their lifting is their overcompensation. Yeah, right? and, I, and you know, to me as somebody who's like a flabby guy, I can't really understand that. Yeah. So when I look at him, I'm like, why are you so caught up on this shit? It's like, I'm not right. making fun of you. I just posted this funny fucking meme. Mm. I didn't make it. And I wrote, it's like, I didn't make this, bro. <laughs> like, I didn't create. I don't even know. That's why when he wrote to me, I was like, who are you? Damn. <laughs> I was like, I don't even know who you are. I was like, just say that I hurt your feelings. Yeah. And I'll take the photo down. He goes, no, you're just not funny. I was like, did I hurt your feelings? Question mark. He goes, you're just not funny. And I'm like, bro, you are so fucking sensitive, man. Yeah. Like, relax, dude. I've literally been memed all over the internet. You'll see me fucking pulling a fit. I don't know why people can't understand being laughed at or laughing with. They can't understand that difference. Yeah. Be like to to see a joke for what it is. Yeah, it's like obviously, dude, you're I mean, also too guy, like you're dope. Yeah. <laughs> like you're so buff, dude. You're big and, and strong. A, and not only that, he's a fucking good looking dude too. And he's yeah. also a multimillionaire. I'm like, so it's like, why are you coming at me? Yeah, it's like, like you know, right? like I'm an ant in your universe. And in fact, if we met in person, you could crush me. Yeah. <laughs> like even if he doesn't fight at all, you could kill me. If you if you grab me, I'm done. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like for him, like I just, I, I mean, obviously it just has to probably do with a lot of personal issues. Maybe it's one of those early days of the internet. Thing, yeah. Right? It was pretty early Instagram. Yeah, and it was like eight, nine years ago. Yeah, people had a really tough time with bad comments back then. Yeah. I, mean, I know I did. <laughs> like, I think we all did. You yeah. Know? I think it was just a little weird that I explained to him. It was, was a little too personal. It was right? so personal, as if I knew him. That's why I was confused. It's like, did we meet before? Yeah. And I didn't understand what was going on. And I'm like, wait, you're a famous bodybuilder. Like, you know, like, like I said, I didn't make the joke. Yes. <laughs> somebody else did. This is a repost, bro. Yeah, this is a repost. I reposted somebody else's shit. What are you talking? you talking, man? It was already well known. Like people already yeah, saw this photo. It was not- I didn't create it. You jackass. I mean, the thing is, going back to it though, man, the steroids make our superheroes look dope. Oh, right? for sure. I kind of wish Keanu went on a psycho. <laughs> like, I wish you were doing some Kung Fu again, man. I mean, like it, it didn't look that great. Yeah. Like, I mean, uh, the way he trained for Matrix 1, I heard it was yeah. very extensive. Brutal. Apparently, he had broken his neck in some <gasps> like stunt practice. And he still showed up with a neck brace, like doing, learning all the choreography. That's fucking crazy. So I remember seeing like behind the scenes videos where he's like, pop, pop, pop. Oh, shit. Like, yeah, he was in pain. And, and that's why I think you can see by the second and third movie when he's throwing his kicks, he's super like leaning backwards. Yeah. His neck. Yeah. His neck wasn't great. His kicks were amazing in the yeah. first one. I mean that the whole fight choreography, like before matrix one, right. We had our 
are Hong Kong flicks, action flicks. Like you would, you couldn't necessarily find them in even like blockbusters. You mm-hmm. had to find some mom and pop spe- specialty specialty mm-hmm. shops with like these niche like movies, right? So back then, like for me, my favorite movies were actually a lot of Jet Li movies. So like Black Mask and uh, Legend. The Fist of Legend mm. and a bunch of these other films. Then I learned that, oh, wait, these were Mulan. all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What a waste. Yeah. What a waste of fucking Jet Li, yeah. dude. No, but going back, you you see that um, those are all Yuan Ping films yeah. that he choreographed. And that's why, like, Matrix has that look of what it is. Each fight scene was just so important. And it was all telling a story about Neo's progress. And this one was fight to remember who you are. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah. dude, haven't I done enough? Yeah. <laughs> like, God damn it. It was still interesting. Like in, in the sense, like I said, the anomaly code being copied into Trinity and her, she originally gave that kiss to Neo. But apparently this time around, it was when they kissed on the rooftop, that code was awakened in Trinity. That's how she learned to fly before yeah. it was awakened in Neo as well. So, and all in all, it made sense as far as story and lore goes. But yeah, putting it all together was just a jumbled mess. Dude, I would, I would love to fly, man. Somebody yeah. give me that code. Just, we just got to believe that <laughs> apparently if you believe this is a simulation, <laughs> you, you could fly. <laughs> After this podcast is over, I'm going to tell fucking Ed to shoot a bullet yeah. at me. <laughs> <laughs> just wake me up. <laughs> just, just watch, bro. Uh, well, guys, that wraps up this episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. I hope you enjoyed that. Hope you learned a lot about the Matrix. I hope you. Uh, I wonder what you guys thought about Spider Man. I thought it was pretty fucking amazing, man, and um, made up for a lot of shitty Spider Man films for me. Yeah, what did you think about the Matrix Resurrections? <laughs> 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 well, you guys can catch Ed at Ed Park VP, and you can see Genius Brains every Sundays at twelve PM. Uh, make sure that you guys check us out. Uh, listen to us on iTunes, Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we will see you all next time. Peace. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity. And the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.